Hello, listeners. This is uh, Peter. I'm here with Mark. This is our first podcast without our fearless leader, Philip, and he has a very good reason for missing. He's actually completing his career Grand Slam right now. He's attending the Australian Open. He's at Rod Laver Arena currently watching Rafael Nadal crush uh, Duckworth, and um, there's a no-phones policy there, so he can't... He can't uh, be on with us, but in honor of of his his trip down under, um, this 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 pod's intro is what is the furthest you've ever traveled for an event? So, Mark, what is your uh, what what's the answer for you? Yeah, so let let, let me make a little distinction. Uh, first, the furthest that I've traveled for a non-sporting event, uh, however, in which I was seeking a certain result, um, you know, my own version of a grand slam. So I did travel, it was two days of traveling, uh, starting in Miami, uh, to Paris through Dubai to get to Singapore. For, uh, and who was for she? A, for, a game of sing- for a game of singles that never materialized. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, wow, um, she must have been worth it, though. <laughs> You know, it's all about the journey, not the destination. So if, if I look at it that way, also on the back end of the trip, I did meet up with you guys in, uh, in Paris, and then we went to Mallorca. So, so oh yeah, uh, that was a great trip. Platonically speaking, it was it was definitely uh, it was a long and worthy event. Uh, all's well that ends well. Sports, I guess you know when it comes to like adventures and. And, and travel time, it usually involves you guys because I guess Wimbledon would be, uh, Wimbledon would be the other one. Uh, I, did we start in Paris? I think we did. So the fact that I went from Miami uh, through New York to Paris and then met, met with you guys in Wimbledon in 2011 when, when Djokovic start, well, was starting his, his Grand Slam binge. Yeah, but that was like fact, nascent Djokovic right there. Yeah. But it didn't matter because more importantly, we just we made it. You know, we made it all the way to England. Yeah. And, uh, and saw the good tennis. How about you, Peter? What's the furthest you've ever traveled? So, uh, I guess less um, <laughs> uh, uh, less admirable. Um, this past uh, this past um, summer, um. My my friend from Moldova, you know, uh, you know him, Sergio. I know Serge well. I know he, him well. I, I know the story you're about to tell, and I don't know if it's masochism or, or loyalty, but probably a little bit of both. <laughs> um, but he, so a friend of um, our family, a very good friend, was getting um, married in Moldova this past summer, and. Uh, I'm I'm proud to say I was able to make the trip, and not pay for any of it, because I was having a summer job in in um, South Africa, and I was able to get a flight that was cheap enough that went through <laughs> Moldova during Serge's wedding, that I was able to get my employer to pay for it. Um, How often do you think? One searches for a flight. I mean, how many people on a regular basis do you think search for a flight? I'm assuming you left from Washington. Maybe 
Texas that Washington threw Moldova to get to South Africa? Do you think that's a... <laughs> so I was starting in Austin, Texas. I went to Denver. I actually paid for the Austin to Denver. But then from Denver, it was Toronto. Then from Toronto, it was Istanbul. And then from Istanbul, uh, you could go to Kishinev, Moldova. And I've never seen more inbred people, inbred looking people on a pl- on a flight from Turk from Istanbul to uh, Moldova. But I guess um, moving forward, uh, we do have an Australian yeah. Open to uh, set the table for. Um, we're actually sl- a little late. There has been a uh, a few match first round matches that have been completed, and the most notable. The one that Philip saw before Nadal um, was Sharapova's match, which was 6-0-6-0. Um, pretty ruthless. And so another question we have is for each other is, have you ever either been completely bageled or completely bageled somebody else? If I have been double bageled, uh, I guess in squash it would be triple bageled. I put it out of my mind. Uh completely suppress the memory. So chances are I have. I'm pretty confident I have in tennis. But I can't pinpoint it. Maybe it happened more so frequently that I can't actually rally the memory to pick one. <laughs> I, I, I'll say first that I had the player who was double, about to double bagel somebody and then decided to give a courtesy game and ended up losing the set 7-5, going down from <laughs> 3-0 the next set and then so, uh, lesson learned on the coaching side I think it was based on my recommendation because you know, I thought somehow it was good karma and then uh, I ended up double bailing so noticed towards the end of the first set but he must have he must have wanted to just finish the match I don't know if it was he didn't want to have to make another appointment or what have you but I did I did double bagel. Uh, it was a little bit tarnished because he was a little bit injured, but I, but I felt like, you know, once you get up 6-0, you can kind of pretty much do him and, and air out all your shots. So I'll, I'll take a little credit for it. I'll say half and half. It's a good feeling, though. When you look at the, it's nice when you look at that score page and you see the 6-0, 6-0. It is, know, yeah. So what I will say is it's totally different if you're bageling somebody who's, like, good than if you're bageling somebody who's bad. Um, I think that uh, if you're bageling someone who's good, you have to go for it. Whereas if you're bageling someone who's bad, you kind of have to give them the point. Um, but there ha- there were a few squash tournaments back in the day when I was playing some chunky, uncoordinated dudes um, in like the first round or whatever, and I was trying to give them a point but because you had to win a point on your serve, you actually had to lose two points in a row. And they literally could not win two points in a row when I was trying to give them two points. Like, I would purposely hit the 10 or something, and then they couldn't hit the serve in. And so there were bagels like that. And then um, there were bagels like... Uh, I was in the first round of Nationals one year, and... I was playing somebody I knew, and I bageled him nine zero nine zero nine zero, um, and 
I was really, really struggling with whether I should give him a point or not, but I decided not to because I wanted to send a message to whoever, to everyone else in the tournament with the like super intimidating scoreline. Um, it didn't really work, but uh, and the guy felt like I should probably should have given the point because like he he seemed like very embarrassed afterwards. Um, and then I once bageled somebody on point of rally 11-0-11-0 in practice. And uh, I just felt really good about that because I was just, I don't know. I guess, again, I just wanted to send a message. Um, but uh, what, what, What's the statute of limitations on giving your friends from the 9-0-9-0-9-0 match a point? Can you... Can you contact the directors of the tournament and give him a point, you know, post facto? Is, is, is I mean, there, I don't know. I think we were. Say like I, I honestly, he may have forgotten about. I this was so long ago, and he's a pretty chill <laughs> dude. Um, but okay, so um, now we've got the Australian Open in full force. Uh, the way we're going to structure this is we're going to. Uh, I guess talk about sort of some of the first round, first second round clashes that could be entertaining, but but really just go through our predictions. Does that sound good to you, Mark? Yeah, it sounds good to me. Quick, quickly though, if if a player gets if if somebody on the men's draw gets gets triple bageled in a grand slam, (laughs) should should they be prevented from from playing in that same tournament the following year? In fact, should bagels? If you get like double an bagels, anti wild card. Bagels, yeah. yeah. What what should be the punishment? Um. Good good question. Uh, the tr- I do think that like an anti wild card could be could be in play. Um. <laughs> I mean, I'm a tournament director. I think. Yeah. How about, or you're just you're forced. You're you're forced to play. You're you're forced out of singles, and in order to be able to play ever again in the future, you have to play both doubles and mixed doubles. <laughs> mixed doubles sounds like punishment enough. Or maybe it's another mixed, one would be like there's, um. There's some pretty good mixed doubles matches in the men's draw in the first round. Oh really? Well, I was thinking there's you know Bautista Good against Andy Murray. That seems like a mixed doubles match. <laughs> Were you, were you surprised? Were you surprised by Murray's announcement? I guess I was shocked. You know, in, um, in terms of, I was shocked because uh, Federer and Nadal and Djokovic have all come back from um, from sort of their lows, and so I was just—it's become sort of my norm, and I was expecting Murray to 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 just. To just be able to do it, but I guess his injury was worse. Um, what about you? Yeah, it wasn't something that I had even considered. You figured of all people, he's pretty gung ho about the sport. You know, when he went all in a couple of years ago, he made it to number one. So I am surprised. He must have a pretty good sense, and you know, maybe it's a little bit of, you know, looking looking at the at the longer picture and wanting to be able to. You know, coach and, and just be on the court as long as possible, not do any more damage. Or maybe he just felt like he couldn't make it back, back in the top five. And when the grind itself would would lead to another injury. But I do think it 
it changes the tables a little bit for the year. I think it'll change the dynamic in Wimbledon a lot. And yeah. you'll get a lot of fans on the side, probably us being three of them. So Exactly. Yeah, that'll be a really emotional tournament for Murray. Um, so what I will say is it makes a little bit of sense because in the in like late last season, he was always dangerous in the first round and actually had a good a good set of first round wins. Like I think he beat Goffin and he beat like he won his first rounder at the U.S. Open, but he just had he just couldn't like. He didn't have much like endurance through the rounds of a tournament, and so and it's what he what what he made it sound like in his press conference was that he was in real pain, like it's just sort of not getting better, and if he's in pain, um, maybe it's manageable for the first round, but not for the like third. Um, yeah. But leading on to predictions, one thing that I was actually. That Batista Agu match is kind of tough because Batista Agu won Brisbane, and uh, and so he's playing well. And actually, I'm on TennisBracket.com right now, and 71% of people have Batista Agu winning that first round match. Well, he likely should. I just you know it's a kind of a no-win situation for him. I would assume the crowd would be pretty much on, in Murray's camp, and Murray's should be playing like he's got nothing to lose because he's got nothing to lose. Yeah. If the guy keeps his momentum, I mean, Bautista Agu, if he keeps his momentum, he's such a wild card. Uh, I guess a lot of it will come down to the first set. You know, if Murray can kind of get that first set and, and regain some of his Australian Open glory, you know, maybe he feels like he, he's the favorite. So I, I hope so. I mean, either way, I, I, I'd feel bad if Bautista Agu lost because... He deserves a, a, a good showing in the tournament, but I'd also feel bad for Murray, given that it's one of his last three Grand Slams, and the French will be hard, considering how much he has to grind it out there. So, yeah, you know, he's. I don't think he'll win, but even if he can make the round of 16 or the round of 32, I think he'd be he'd be feeling pretty good about himself. I, I have him losing to Kachanov in the round of 32. I think he can put together, string together a good first two rounds, but then he'll just like not have it. Well, it looks like we both have the same prediction. I'm in the round of 16, and I was I was just betting with my heart there. But I do, but I do think, uh, realistically, he can he can get the two rounds. I think his experience may prevail, and, and we'll get. A, I don't know what time that match is today. Maybe it's an evening match, but hopefully Phil will get to see it and give us some on court uh, commentary. Yeah, that would be cool. Any uh, other any other matches you're eyeing before we get into to, to the later rounds? Any other matches you're eyeing, or if, if you were in Phil's shoes, you'd You'd love to be able to see that match. So there are a few. Second round, Sanga's supposed to play Djokovic. That's a really tough second rounder for Djokovic. But on tennisbracket.com, out of 199 brackets, 100% of people have Djokovic winning that match. Um, another. You think, you think Sanga was one of those 199? <laughs> uh, you never know. Um, then another thing. I really wanted to bet against Fognini, but he has like the easiest draw to the round of 16 that I just couldn't. Um, I think uh, another interesting one is Ivo Karlovic. He's like 39 years old or something, but he's playing very well. Um, then there's that little like Stan Golbis Kyrgios Rayanich niche 
or like section, which is I think the most loaded early round section. And um, yeah. I have Stan prevailing because he was playing pretty well, and I think it was Brisbane. Um, maybe no, maybe it was Doha. And one uh, of them. One of them. Yeah. yeah. And I think Kyrgios is just a shell right now. He's moving so poorly. It's really going to be Stan versus uh, Milos, and um, it's anybody's guess. That's a tough match to watch. I don't think either of us will be watching either of those <laughs> matches for, for, <laughs> for our innate prejudice towards Canadian bacon. What can we say? <laughs> uh, who, is, who is it that I think it's who, who is it that sits a pass plays in the first round? Was it him or there was somebody else who seemed to have? Uh, an interesting first round. I, I'm actually away from the bracket for a second. Sitsipas? Uh, no, he has a really easy one. Matteo Berrettini. Okay, no, no, no. What um, do you think? I, you know, I was looking at the draw, and it seems like there's, again, we'll jump jump into the round of 16. There's kind of a group of five or six players who seem very resilient about always digging their way back into the top 25 or 30. And in that, I would include Pagnini, uh, Mofis, Verdasco, uh, I'm leaving out a couple names here. Players who, you know, the, the one, the one I had was, uh, was Pui. I think Pui is a lurker. Do you, I mean, do you think the fact that these guys can kind of squeeze back into the top 30 pretty easily or just takes a couple tournaments shows a kind of flaw in the ranking system or just that eventually they kind of reach you know, their equilibrium, and, that, and that's where they where they belong. So the good players, not not the top teners, but those who, you know, usually hover between 15 and 30, sometime, somehow find a way back. I think it shows just, like, the natural variance of the game and how um, at every level there are more people who are at the same level. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. sense, but it's like... Yeah, yeah, I think that answers it. So speaking of the same level, I guess we can run through the round of 16. Should we read Phil's first or just, just say ours? And then whoever there, you know, there may be a difference of opinion, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll include Phil's picks. Oh, uh, yeah, let's, let's do ours. And then just uh, for, for sort of a, uh, a third perspective, let's, let's give, uh, let's give, Phillips, if if there are any interesting ones that differ from us. Sure, sure thing. So last year, let's. I'm gonna look at last year's predictions real quickly. You actually had Novak winning last year. You had Novak and Rafa. He wasn't quite there yet. Oh no, yeah. that's this year. Sorry, looks like this year. I probably had that last. last. I had. That, I'd, yeah, that's this I'd year. Sorry, last year you had. You had against El Potro, oh, that was that was Alex, actually. Alex had a good sense of who, uh, you had Ralph and Fire Federer did have to go five, and uh, you and I had actually enemies. Craig had picked Federer over Nadal in five sets. Phil also had Rafa, he had Rafa in three, and then and I had Fed in four. So, some of us are pretty warm, we'll see, you know, maybe a tough act to follow. You, oh, you want to go? Yeah, you were you were the you and you and Craig were the winners last year. Yeah, I thought that felt pretty good. Yeah. Uh, trying to think how many non-Europeans are in your. Is everybody from Europe in your. You have everybody in your 
final 16 is from Europe, except for Nishikori and Schwartzman. Yeah. So you're pretty Eurocentric. I guess I am. I, good. No, I have Isner. No, no, you have Isner. I don't have Isner. Um, okay, so I'll go first. So, yeah, go ahead. Or let's just go uh, section by section. So in the first eighth, I'll, in the in the round of 16, I've got uh, Novak against Medvedev. Um, and I have Novak getting to the quarters. Yeah, I have the same exact thing there. And Philip and has... Philip has Djokovic against Goffin, and he has Novak getting to the quarters. Um, and then the next the next section, uh, I've got Fognini and Nishikori, with Nishikori making it to the quarters. Yeah, I had the same match. I just said Fognini, and I don't know why. It's mainly because Philip saw him on the airplane. So I <laughs> thought that might be some type of sign from God. <laughs> So Phillips no, had a really no cool trip other than down under the last week or so, and he w- he's seen Haiyan Chung, uh, Fognini, and um, and Ivo Karlovich live at various junctures. So we're pretty jealous yeah. of that. We'll see if he has the Midas touch. We'll see what kind of coin being noticed by because uh, during the French Open, and as it turned out, Rafa won the French Open. So maybe there is something, there's something to it. Yeah, hopefully. I have Fognini winning that match. Uh, no, no reason other than just I like writing his name down. <laughs> yeah, he, I, he's a that, tough out for anyone. No one likes to play him. You have Zverev and Stan in the next. It looks like the next two. Yeah. No, the guys have the same. Yeah. So wait, Philip has Stan as well. No, Philip actually has Carano Busta instead of. Fognini in the round of 16. But he also has Nishikori going to the uh, the quarters like me. Um yeah, me and Philip have Stan and Zverev in the round of six in the round of sixteen, and both of us have Zverev pulling through. Um Mark, you go ahead with your choices. <laughs> Just went one of the hometown favorite. I, I think Kyrios mainly because he never fails. To surprise people, so he usually loses when he's expected to win. So maybe he'll win when he expects to lose. The whole idea of just always playing the antagonist. Yeah. So I have, I have, um, I'm betting that you know that uh, white and white is black. <laughs> but but I did, but I do have there winning in the round of sixteen. Yeah, that's bold. I mean, Kyrios is just Kyrios is just totally like. I don't know. I'm I'm not going to bet on him until he proves it. But I think the bigger point here is that both of us are betting on Zverev. All three of us are betting on Zverev to like get over his his uh major mental block. And I think part of that is his draw. I just don't know which point he's he'll lose before the quarter like I just think if Stan gets there Stan's like kind of like Murray where he has a really tough time in the later rounds. Um, I think maybe Chung could beat him, but Chung is, has had a tough time recovering from his injury. I think Chung beat him last year. Um, I have, I have him beating Jack Sock in the third round, and, um, it's really bold to even predict Jack Sock in the third round, but, um, who knows, if there's a Jack Sock resurgence, 
and we get like soft major Zverev out there. Maybe Jack Sock could beat him. Um, otherwise, like Jill Simone is not beating Alex Zverev. No, I, I haven't go. I haven't gone to the semis. So maybe we just we we uh we keep. I mean, I, there's no reason he shouldn't. He got his momentum back at the end of last year. I think that maybe the Grand Slam jinx was kind of a media story. But if you look at normal age progression, he's right where he should be. And uh, you know, he's he's got a lot of majors ahead of him. So I have, I have. I have him beating Kyrgios. Should be an entertaining match. Whoever he plays, it should be an entertaining match. And then, who do you have in that next uh, pair? So, I think all three of us have Chorich versus Team, which is a very interesting one. Um, you and me both have Chorich uh, winning that one. I think Philip has Team. Um, are you confident at all in that call, or just... Or uh, why did you make the Chorich uh, decision? Yeah, I, feel, I just feel like different players peak at different tournaments. I don't think this is the tournament that team usually peaks at. He usually a lot during the summer. Yeah. So I would say that I don't think that it would be necessarily a knock against him. I think Chorich just made a lot of progress last year, and he'll, he'll have a little bit less to lose. And uh, I see him playing his. No way, do I have him playing his countryman? Yeah, no, he would play against Verov in the quarters. That's kind of going on instinct. I think Team changed his hardcore game a little bit to, to take it to the next level on the hardcore. I don't think he's there yet. Yeah. So I, I chose Chorch for a slightly different reason. I feel like Team is just so inconsistent. And if there's anything Chorch is, it is extremely consistent. And so I'm betting on consistency over inconsistency. Um, we'll see. But team is more proven, so I could be playing the fool. Um, yeah. So then the then we go to the other half of the draw for the uh, in the round of 16. I've got uh, where's mine? I've got Kashinov against uh, Chilich in that first 16. In that in that. Uh, in the first part of that other half. Well, I mean, if that comes to pass, that'll be a great match. Yeah. I think whoever Silich always plays pretty interesting matches. Yeah. And Philip has the same. And then I had just pick and Murray sentimental. Yeah, but I didn't actually see who he was playing in the first round. So maybe he doesn't make it past the first round. If he does, and I'm a huge Katsukov fan, I think that he may just have a little bit of a letdown. I think the crowd will be entire. If Murray can make it that far, the crowd will really be on his side. So I think momentum can carry him through to one more match. But we shall see. And a lot of it, I think it all hinges on the first. If Murray gets past the first, I think he can make it to the round of 16. I mean, betting on a big four to make it to the round of 16 is never a foolish choice. Um, <laughs> I, I could definitely see that happening. So then the next, uh, then the next, I guess, eight. Uh, who who do you have? Yeah, I think we all three of us are the same. We got the Greek freak against the uh, the sweet stud. So yeah, uh, by that he means since the past against that, uh, Federer. Fed, Fed winning that in straights, but you know I think the Greek Greek freak at least makes it to the round of sixteen in the major for once. 
Yeah. So I have, uh, I, I actually have Sitsa Pass winning that, but Philip also has Federer winning that. So I'm, uh, that's my big Chorich to the, um, I, Chorich and Sitsa Pass are my two big calls for this tournament. Um, then the next, then the next six, uh, eight, um, who do you got? I have Anderson against his, and that will prove to be a grotesquely boring match, but a, <laughs> but a rematch of, of the Wimbledon semis. Yeah, I, I do not admire anyone who has tickets for that. <laughs> um, I've got uh, Anderson against Dimitrov, just because Dimitrov usually plays well in Australia. It does, even last three minutes of the quarters. And, and Phil has that as well. I think you both have, although Phil has Dimitrov winning that, it looks like you have, you have Anderson getting through? No, I got Dimitrov as well. All right. Should be a good call. I mean, I, I think the glass slipper is going to fall off Anderson this year. It's just a matter of when, but he's played pretty well, I think, so far in the, in the heat in 2019. We shall see. Should be a great match. Yeah. And then this is, this is where we diverge. I have Edmund. Uh, who's going to carry the flag, you know, for Britain going forward? <laughs> and I have him playing against Rafa in the in that last pair. And I picked Edmund because I just don't think Rafa's health is there. Not from lack of will or skill or anything, but he's just. I don't think he's got Grand Slam, you know, uh, good physical health yet. But but we shall see. Yeah, we'll see. He's looking good against Duckworth right now, though. Um, so I got Philip and I both have uh, Schwartzman against Rafa. Uh, Schwartzman's always a tough out, but um, I guess the reason I don't have Edmund is I think he's got inflated ranking, and um, last year he got to the semis, and I, and he took people by surprise a little bit. Um, but this year, I feel like the scouting report is is like more on top of his game, and he's just slow. Like he just doesn't move that well. And I just just don't see him um, being a mainstay in the top fifteen. Probably right. Well, we'll see though. This will be this, this will be a good, uh, you know, good microcosm whether or not he's inflated or whether or not he's really hitting his pride. So you got Rafa there. That brings us to the round of eight. Who do you, who do you see pulling through into the semis? So we went over this a little bit already. I've got Novak and Nisha Corey. Who do you, who do you have in that? In that second? I have Novak and Zverev. Or, no, you mean the round of eight or the round of four? The round of eight, I think. All right. Round of eight, I have Novak winning and then Zverev winning as well. Yeah, you have Novak beating Fognini. Okay. Yeah, I have Novak beating um, Nishikori. Then then you have Zverev beating um, uh, Chorich. Zverev beating Chorich? On the top half, uh-huh. So I have Chorich beating Zverev because for two reasons. Um, Chorich actually owns their head-to-head, I think. And uh, then compounding that with Zverev and his major struggles, I just feel like Chorich would would uh, would make it. And um, um, I'm sure Novak would like that, too. Yeah. Although, <laughs> yeah, I think he would like that. And then, so then the next quarter, I've got uh, Sitsipas beating Chilich. 
depends how long his match is from the previous match. I mean, that talk about a tough draw for him. If he can get through that, yeah, you might as well just give him a trophy, even if he loses in the semis. Probably not much left in the tank after that. Yeah, uh, for sure. Should be exciting. I mean, I, I think this this is a tournament worth losing some sleep over to to watch some late night matches. That would definitely be one. For sure. Um, and you, so, yeah. you have, you have yeah, Federer instead of Tsitsipas. against Federer. Yeah. And pick and fed. So that, that's a, a rematch of last year's final. Um, you can imagine that if Cilic plays Federer, he would be really up for that match. Um, and Philip actually has Cilic beating Federer in that match. So we all diverge. Um, I think Mark is probably... The uh, the smart one among us, given Federer's history, um, but we'll see, we'll see. Um, then yeah, I think you'll get a feel in the round of sixteen, kind of where he's at with his game. Yeah, and just sort of yeah, how much he has in the tank. So I try I tried at that point to steer away from percentages. So I I do have Anderson beating Edmund. I mean, if anybody beats Rafa, you. There's always a price to be paid for beating, you know, one of the top four. And I'll even include Murray in that. Even if Bautista Goop wins in the first round, there's a price to be paid. So if you beat a stud, you usually end up um, paying the price in the next round. There's some, somebody else willing to do, you know, kind of finish them off. So I, I see if Anderson gets to that point, he plays against Edmund. I'll take Anderson. If he plays against Rafa, Rafa will take it. Solid. Okay, so I guess my court, my semis are Novak, Chorich, Tsitsipas, Rafa, and yours are um, Novak, Zverev, Federer, Anderson. Man, this is like a much less predictable tournament than most. We we only have one semifinalist in common. True, true. It's good to see. And I guess Philip has Novak, Team Chilich, and Rafa. So he has two in common with me and one in common with you. Jeez, this, this could... And one of us... If we take the union of all our predictions, then, uh, <laughs> then, we, then we'll, we'll be in pretty good shape. So I have, I have a long... The way I've approached it, I had Novak winning in, in a tough match against Zverev and paying a price. Whereas if Fed goes against Anderson in my... You know, in my parallel universe, then Fed has an easier semi, and by virtue of being a little better rested, he gets he gets his twenty first. But this is like, you know, the, all the forces of the universe conspiring on his behalf. Yeah. Okay. So uh, my final is Rafa against Novak. Uh, part. What is it like fifty three? Yeah. 53-54. And I've got Novak winning. um, I'll say four sets. That'll be a barn burner. I mean, if Rafa can make it that far, he's going to be a tough out. Maybe Novak just has a little extra confidence and able to do a little bit more with the ball. Uh, And then I'll probably get those roles might get reversed at at the French. But those are some solid picks. (laughs) Yeah. You can't go wrong with their... There are 31 Grand Slams combined. And then what did, Phil, what did Phil come up with? Phil was uh, same as me. Novak beating Rafa in the final. So who's a two-somebody who might, 
you know, we, we have we have two Novaks and and it looks like um, Craig also well Craig picked Federer against Nishikori or whatever. You know, he may be experiencing morning flashes, but who might be <laughs> out of out of who might beat our dark horse? Who's got the goods to win twenty one sets besides people that we have chosen as the winner and the finalists? I mean might be due for a first. I think Sitsa Pass is just scary. He, um, nobody wants to play him. He just is so solid mentally. And, like, he, he doesn't beat himself. He's just very gritty. And, uh, he's got the tools. So I would not want to see him. Do you think that the winner has to be seen by Philip in, um, you know, in, in a sort of cameo setting, does, 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 does the trophy run through Philip? Do you have to have run into Philip in some, you know, unplanned setting in order to win the draw, or is it possible to win this tournament without running into Philip? Ooh. Um, in some way, I, 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 I really hope so, because Philip <laughs> has run into Rafa, and Philip has never run into Novak. But... That bodes well for Hyun Chung. <laughs> yeah, cer- certainly not Pognini. If it's Pognini, in fact, if, Pog- if what's his name, uh, the Jolly Green Giant makes the round of sixteen, I think we all need to sh- we all need to get a tattoo or some some <laughs> some engraving of him. Some <laughs> some some form of idolatry there. Um, what's your uh, what's your prediction for Jack Sock this year? I'm going to stay away from that because I never would have predicted last year. I wouldn't have predicted the doubles. I wouldn't have predicted the tale of two cities. I will. Here's my simple prediction. He will do better in singles than he did last year. Okay. He will do worse in doubles. I just don't know where, <laughs> you know, if it's going to be more base or more acid. I don't know which side of the pH scale he's going to be on. There's a lot of margin for error on that prediction <laughs> right there. Uh, I think he's going to meet right in the middle. <laughs> Well, think about it this way. He really doesn't have many points to lose. If he doesn't take advantage, if he doesn't take advantage these first six months, I mean, he seriously, he should lose his drinking privileges. Yeah. Um, I guess other, other questions. Um, I guess another note with your Dark Horse question is that this is the major that Tomas Johansson won. Like, Dark Horses exist in the Aussie Open. So uh, that's uh, that's something to uh, to keep on to uh, to keep in the back of your mind. Who's your yeah, dark horse? Medvedev or Kashnikov or or Sitsipas. I mean, they would all qualify as dark horses. Yeah, and like like say well. say Sanga takes out Djokovic in the second round. That really opens things up. Yeah, I don't think I don't see how that that could happen in like two three months. I just can't see. It. I mean, I wouldn't even hurt my feelings. I just it's hard to believe that that would happen so quickly, but but you're absolutely right, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, so maybe we'll we'll hear from Phil later in the day, and we'll we'll double back after the third round and and you know see whose crystal ball is was shining the brightest. Exactly. Uh, this was a a pleasure, Mark. Um, I feel like we held down the fort, and to our listeners, uh. Hopefully all three of us will be on for the uh, mid-tournament 
update in about a week. I think so. Only only one of which will be which will be will be in Oceana, but but I think all three of us will look forward to it. And thanks for listening as always. Yeah, continue hitting your aces, Mark. Thanks, man. Peace out. Talk to you soon.